happy Saturday, Pete Patterson. Happy Saturday to you. How's the world? No matter, today, no matter what day it is, it's always Saturday. It's always Saturday, <laughs> especially in Australia. Yeah. Wow, we got a great good. show. Today. Yeah. We're with Robert Patterson, of course, of the Set Jetter. Visit him at set-jetter.com, as well as check out all his links on Instagram. He posted today the, I believe it was the anniversary of graduation day. Yeah, 40th anniversary. Which is cool. I recognized a lot of the um, places that you uh, that you posted on. A lot of the locations were places I lived close to. Uh, the Glendale one on Riverside Drive. Mm-hmm. I've been to a lot. Dark Delicacies in Burbank. Oh, yes. I, I was going through the... I went to the website and I checked out the links. And before I read the description, I was trying to figure out if I knew where they were. And I know a lot of them I did. That You did a good job. Thank you. Yeah, it's one of those. Uh, I did those locations a while ago, and there's a couple houses I still can't find. And uh, I met the director, and he said, "Oh, they're in Pasadena or something like that." And I searched and searched, so it could be those houses are long gone too, because they looked kind of decrepit uh, in the film. So they might have been replaced by some McMansions. Oh yeah, in the in the film itself, they looked a little yeah, run down. Yeah. They're cool locations, though. The um, the one in Burbank with that church, I think it was Olive Avenue, looks yeah. pretty much the same, which is cool. Yeah, I, I don't know how many times I go up and down that street, because um, I usually stay in downtown Burbank. So Olive Avenue is the only way to come and go. Olive, <laughs> Olive Avenue. What What is uh, Graduation Day? I don't think I've seen it. It's a, a horror sl- film? Yeah, it's a slasher film that they just, you know... Um, I think Vanna White has a small part in it, or maybe a non-talking part. I can't remember. Linnea Quigley's in it, so it's kind of a typical um, slasher film. I think the same guy that did Pieces or produced Pieces, so, but not quite as outlandish. Is it in the same vein as Halloween and Valentine's Day and all? That oh yeah, stuff? yeah. It was holiday horror, you know, at its best. You know, eighty-one was like. I don't know. It was crazy. I can I can imagine what it'd be like to be a teenager at that time. Uh, I mean, literally, how many horror movies did they were just churning out uh, post Friday the Thirteenth and m- making all that money? Yeah, they just threw it out there. They have never done one on the Fourth of July, right? Independence Day. Um, for some reason, I think there has been something. Is it like a Killer Uncle Sam? It's. I think now that you say that, I think there is something. I can't. Oh think my of, gosh! But, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like they need to do all of the ones that haven't been done, like Flag Day, and the guy like kills you with a flag. Arbor Day. We just had Arbor Day. <laughs> we had the trees come and get you. <laughs> Arbor Day. They even spoofed that in the, the fake movie trailers and Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez's Death Wish and Planet Terror. Thanksgiving. Yes. Thanksgiving. I think they were trying to actually make that into a film at one point. Oh, really? Why, why not? You know? Yeah, at that point, why not? Those things are so low budget, too. You could do it. Yeah, at this point, yeah, anybody can get out their SLR camera and shoot it pretty well. Father's Day. So we got a good show tonight. I wanted to ask you a question. I posted this in the uh, in the in the doc that we share. Um, you're a Halloween expert. You've seen all the films. <laughs> Michael Myers, um, when did he transform from a just a deranged man to a supernatural being, and why? You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Halloween two technically kicks it off. You know, you get shot six times and you're fine. Like, 
we don't really que- we don't question that too much, you know. Like it's like he just disappears, and uh, you know, Duluma says he you know shot him six times or seven, technically if you're counting the beginning of Halloween too. But um, but yeah, we never really quite quite question that he's just he's just fine. He's not slowly bleeding to death or anything like that. So technically, <laughs> I would say the beginning of Halloween too. It makes sense, and I guess the reason is so they can do more movies, obviously. Yeah. But it's it is yeah it always kind of was interesting to me of how when you know the reason of his metamorphosis into the supernatural demon. Same with Jason Voorhees. He yeah, kind of survived so, the drowning and lived in the woods. Yeah, but, we kind of glazed that over too. You know, like yeah, <laughs> it's just the reason. Of course, is when they made the, the originals, they didn't expect it to be like a twelve movie trilogy or whatever. So they have to obviously keep going, but. It has always been funny to me in a lot of the franchises how they just come back. It's like, oh, well, that kind of invalidated the entire last film. I guess. You know, I remember when I was 17, because they announced they're going to make a Nightmare on Street 4, which I think comes out on the year that we're talking about. And I remember friends like, well, I don't understand. They killed him in the last one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, your friends back in the day did that? I was like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, come on. We know how this works. (laughs) It's funny. I remember when I saw Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me with my buddy uh in the theater the um do, do you remember that film at all mm-hmm. when vanessa's a fembot in the beginning and he's like well that just ruined the whole first movie he's <laughs> like that whole thing was a fraud and i was like yeah they you know it, they're replacing elizabeth hurley with heather graham so that's just yeah. what they're doing he's like no. but that ruined the whole plot i was like ah. <laughs> it, it's it's mike myers with a yeah. hairy chest like let's not look too deeply into this you know, we could do a show on where the sequels actually ruined the original. There's, yeah, that'd there's be a good a show. On the, of, of those. Do you have any off the top of your head? Well, Highlander 2 is probably the king of uh, ruined everything that was wonderful about the original. Oh, really? For sure. We'll have to get into that. I, gotta yeah. I don't think I've seen Highlander 2. It's best you don't. There's a couple versions out there, too. But <laughs> not, none of them. Yeah. Oof. Oh, Sean Connery. <laughs> Yeah, I I did see Highlander, but I I, I watched uh, recently. We spoke on the last show, Beverly Hills Cop three, or maybe before. Oh. So I rewatched all of them. First oh, one still dude. holds up. Uh, you know, it's the first one's it's eighties, but it's still like fun. Yeah. But that third one, um, it's like <laughs> Eddie Murphy didn't even want to be there, and and I was reading in like the IMDb trivia that he was like, people were like, he was having a bad time, he was trying to be serious, and even the director, um, John Landis, was it? I think he would, yeah. yeah. Said, like, he, we didn't know what was going, like, nobody knew what was going on, and it just, that movie just didn't need to be made. <laughs> George Lucas cameo. It was so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, watching that scene in the scope of the entire movie it was just so unnecessary. It's like, well, let's get out of here, honey. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Was he just on set that day, and he's like, can I get in here? And they're like, course you're george lucas yeah it's strange like out of all the movies that he would do cameos and he's like well i think beverly hills cop 3 would be the one for me <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad it's a terrible movie though it it is and it's just it's just yeah how quickly uh these kind of nice films begin to fall uh with some of the sequels yeah i feel like unless you do the third one directly after within two years they always usually are bad you know, any yeah. sequel for the most part, when they wait too long, it just misses the whole like energy and breath of it, as well as the aging of the actors. And you're like, eh, it just doesn't work. Yeah, 
the magic is gone. Like Godfather 3, which is a good movie in a tone, but it was like 18 years after the sequel, and you're like, what are you doing? I kind of tried too hard, and uh, it, who was um, supposed to be in that from uh, Winona Ryder, which would have been interesting. I can't remember how she left the movie, but really? that's why he chose his daughter instead. And But I think it would, just having Winona Ryder in the film might have changed it a little bit. I think so. You know, Sofia Coppola, I don't know yeah. how well she she would have done next to Winona Ryder. But she's a better director than actress. Definitely. Yeah. The Coppolas are famous with uh, a few things. They have Nicolas Cage there. Mm. <laughs> Somebody's bankrolling his acting career. You know, I read that he does all those movies because of all his like tax problems. He has so many tax problems and liens because he just spent too much money that he does anything now. Well, you know, some actors say you do one, one film for you and one for the paycheck. And then there's some films that they just do it for the paycheck. These are all for the paycheck. Yeah. And these paychecks aren't the $15 million asking <laughs> price he was getting at one point, trust me. Oh. But they're so amazing. I love Nicolas Cage movies. I don't even watch them. Um, I'm talking, not talking about his old ones, Dorian's Prime. I mean, all these new ones. It's always him with this like distorted face. And, it's like, <laughs> and the movies are always called, you know, Justice Back or something like that or or you know a time for war death and it's always like he's like the Steven Seagal of today. I, he was my Sundance walkout this year, my virtual <laughs> walkout. I couldn't I couldn't do it. Was he? I think, I think we're about halfway in and I'm like I'm like I don't think I can do this anymore. I really it's it's easier to walk out on Sundance films when you're watching virtually rather than being in the audience because you're usually like you're sitting next to the director or something like that. It's like. Oh, I'm trying to stay awake for this. I'm trying not to groan, and but yeah. <laughs> when you when you commit to walking out, do you wrestle with it for a few minutes? Like, do I give it an extra minute, or are you are you committed right from the start? Um, at some point, I think you're just wrestling, and that's why I, you spend your time like your your ten minutes in your own mind, not even watching the film. Like, is it is this as good as it's going to get? You know, <laughs> is this an hour of my life that I can get back? I I'd rather be vacuuming. I think then, right. then watch I would rather this be Nicolas cleaning Cage the vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I wrestle with it, um, and I then I I wait for some catalyst that I just make up. That is the reason I'm leaving. I'll be like, eh, it's not that good, and then maybe they'll say something like, "Well, let's let's go get some strawberries." And I'll be like, "Well, I don't like strawberries, so that did it for me." So I gotta go. Yep. Even though it's invalid, I just yeah, it's funny. Usually, my excuse is like, "I gotta go wash my hair." I gotta go wash my. <laughs> Um, question that the world has for the set jetters: What streaming service do you use to watch most of your movies? Um, so I have the usuals. I have the Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime and um, what am I missing? Disney Plus. I don't have Shutter, surprisingly. Since mm. I'm a horror, that is surprising. But yeah, HBO Max because I get HBO. So technically, HBO you got Max, the Max comes with it. Um, but I think that's it. I don't know. What do you? What all do you have? Um, I have the same as you that you just mentioned, except for oh. no, I don't have Shutter. I can't. I almost forgot. And Paramount Plus. Oh yes, <laughs> and Paramount Plus. I have Paramount Plus. I just br- browsed through their movies last night because every first of the month I go through all of them to see what they added, mm-hmm. and I ended up settling with something on Roke, the Roku channel. I think oh. it was like Seal Team Six or something. <laughs> 
but I went through all of them, and really? uh, it's always yeah. choresome. I know that sounds like such a first world problem, like oh, it's a choresome <laughs> to go through all these streaming services at my fingertips while I'm still has a job during a pandemic, but like I, I go through them, and I'm not that impressed with Netflix and uh, Paramount Plus. They really don't didn't add much. Oh, yeah. I watched Mystic River before that. Okay. That was it. I've seen both of these movies. There was just nothing new I wanted to get into. Yeah, I thought Paramount Plus would, uh, they have a big catalog, so I don't know. I thought they would just have a little bit more, but maybe I've, I haven't dug into it too much. But Yeah, I still think they should have most of the Paramount movies. Yeah. They don't. Like, I want to see Friday the 13th and Top Gun on the first screen. Looks like these are available. And instead, it's been Kingpin for like three months. <laughs> I was like, I'm not watching Kingpin. I'm just not. It's a good movie. I'm just not watching it. Oh, they're just pushing it on you. Films just, we think you might like. Yeah, movies. I love uh, things that you might like suggestions. Because the watch you watch The Godfather, you're clearly going to like Highlander 2. <laughs> okay, no, that's not, no. You might, I don't know. Or your you phone might. is listening to you and suddenly Highlander 2 will just pop up. I was just curious, what you, do, you, do you have a go-to or do you like just jump through them all? Through the streamings? Yeah. Uh, it kind of depends, you know, like I... I I do like if it's at night, I'm gonna fall asleep to it. I just put on like Twilight Zone or something, old Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah. So I don't really care, or I can kind of listen to those. Are actually kind of made to also kind of be almost radio dramas, where you can listen to it and not need to see every visual either. Yes, I do that too. I go to um, Twilight Zone, the original with Rod Serling, or uh, old Alfred Hitchcock presents. Oh uh, yes, yeah. I think I got through all of them, and then I'm like. Like, I need more. And they start yeah. going to the 80s Alfred Hitchcock Presents or the 80s Twilight Zones. <laughs> I've done that, too. And I've also done the 80s and 90s Outer Limits. Oh, yes. Outer I Limits need... is cool. I've always liked uh, Outer Limits a lot, the originals, because they're more like sci-fi, which is kind of cool. You know, it's always something like yeah. that. But um, during, like, the 90s when they started doing that, it was just... Bad, but and, but they also had like a lot of famous actors in there before they like became famous. Oh yes, you know, um, and you know, and I didn't realize until I don't know which streaming service I was watching, but so uh, the the most famous one, one of the most famous Twilight Zones, and now I'm, they, I totally forgot which title it is, but they also put, made it into Twilight Zone the movie where the little boy can control everything and make people disappear, and Cloris Leachman is in it. I did not realize Cloris Leachman came back for a sequel to that. Uh, in a Twilight Zone episode uh, for oh. one of the up, uh, the new ones, the 80s or 90s and stuff like that. So I was kind of surprised. And uh, Bill, uh, is it Bill Mummy? Bill Mummy. Uh, the little boy growing up came back for it as well. So that was a nice little <laughs> treasure to find. That is. That's a nice little touch they did there. Um, it's exciting when you watch some of those old ones that you haven't seen in a while. And you're like, oh yeah, I remember this one. Because usually with like Alfred Hitchcock or Twilight Zone, I've seen all the seasons but i've seen them all like binge watched for the most part i've always like watched them all at once so you kind of forget little ones here and there you're like oh it's this one i like it you know and i love the twilight zones they do a lot where the guy's stranded on a planet or he goes back it's always like the lone man that's like trying to figure out where he is or wh yes. when he is yeah they had a quite they have quite a few time travel ones now, actually, I've done some locations for Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Um, it's called, my favorite one is called The Gloating Place. And I don't think I published it yet, but uh, huh. I did locations for that. And then um, uh, for, I think it's a Twilight Zone U-Drive, where it's kind of a, it's a precursor to Christine, where a car 
drives itself and yes. gets rid of uh, unnecessary people. Has a bit of a conscience of itself. Yeah. In uh, Culver City, California. Does Keith Gordon come out and go like, it's just <laughs> get away from me? And you're like, I can't take you seriously. I can never take Keith Gordon seriously. <laughs> he's it's, a serious actor. Remember in Back to School where he's got like the glasses? He's like, why don't you just buzz <laughs> off? And you're like, oh, you're just, you're just asking for your face to get pounded in by some jock. I know. But th- those are the actors that we had back then. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I think, what does Keith Gordon do now? Is he still alive? I think he's still directing. He's yeah, still I directing? He must, yeah, I think he just kind of switched over to directing. So He had weird eyebrows. I feel like some of the makeup could have trimmed him a bit. Yeah. I don't know if we really did that in the 70s, 80s. No. I think it was just kind of a free-for-all. You just kind of show up. Yeah. <laughs> As is. What are you wearing that day? All right. That'll do. I do like his co-star in Christine, the guy that played uh, Cougar in Top Gun. I forget his name, the actor, but he's uh, like his buddy. Yeah. I want to say Dennis, but maybe that's his character's name. I think I I would have expected him to like blow up a little bit more in the eighties. Yeah. He's a good actor, good looking dude. Nothing well, maybe really... something happened. Usually you find out later, like, oh, he did this and so he was never seen again. <laughs> oh yeah. He was a pervert. And that's what happened. The um uh what we're gonna get into today is do they still hold up? This is the nineteen eighty eight version via box office mojo. And uh, this is a good packed list, Robert. What do you what do you anticipate from this list? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I kind of did a quick looky loo uh, before we started, and uh, so I was I turned eighteen this year as my senior year in high school. Then my first year of I started college, so I, movies were still a big deal to me at that time. But um, but yeah, like some of our early or other uh, later eighties, some are, some still hold up, but some are like whew. How did that make it so far? What were you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what was Orion Pictures thinking that year? <laughs> or Canon Films? Or the Canon Group? Yeah. That was probably one of the last hurrahs of Canon. I think they had just about uh, lost all their money with the Superman 4 and, and everything the pre- prior year. So, What's he going to say? <laughs> Something wonderful. Oh, yeah. I forgot I sent you that clip. That's my Something Lacey, it's always only money. <laughs> We're talking about Superman four listeners. There's a great if you missed the last show, there's this amazing line where he's speaking at the United Nations Superman, aka a train station somewhere because the budget's so low. And uh, somebody asks Lois Lane, What's he gonna say? And Lois Lane says, Something wonderful. <laughs> what if we edited that and we cut to him saying something not so wonderful? <laughs> Uh, I, I just I just love that movie that he lassos the <laughs> nuclear weapons and, and he's storing them in a in a net like not just destroying them or eating them because he could do that but he's storing them. It makes you net. wonder who made the net. Did he have to make the net? Probably he had to bring it up to space. And yeah. Somehow just had it floating there and hopefully nobody messed with it or was going to bump <laughs> into anything and just uh, kind of collecting all these um, <laughs> nuclear missiles. But yeah, it's one of those, yeah, it brings more questions than it should. And literally, he probably just ruined the whole political ecosystem in the world. So thanks. Yeah, you, you take away the balance of power. All of a sudden, like, you're getting invaded by China. <laughs> the um, the thing that I love about that movie is after he throws him to the sun, is it Nuclear Man is created? Yes. 
a man is created from throwing nukes to the sun. A man that speaks English and is going to fight Superman. With uh, uh, Gene Hackman's voice. <laughs> I, I like the scenes where Nuclear Man's on Earth, and you're, it's just like, what is happening here? So this guy came from the sun, and his name's Nuclear Man. But he's a man that is in his 30s that speaks English. Like, yeah. how did this happen? It made sense at the time. I don't know. <laughs> Christopher Reeves, I read in an interview, said that like he admitted the movie was terrible, but that it really hurt his career for a long time. Like he's like nobody knew what they were doing, and I took like a big hit from that. If you yeah. think about it, it's kind of true. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he never really came back after Superman. No, he just should have done it. Nobody should have done it. It should have just no. been, yeah, pretty bad. So these are. Uh, do they still hold up? The highest grossing films of 1988. First on the list is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the first. Maybe it's the only, but it's definitely the first venture between Disney and Warner Brothers where they had both of the characters on screen, cartoons. Yeah, um, I remember at the time, they had to show up, the main characters had to show up equal amount of time. And that was kind of one of the stipulations in the contract. Um, so that's, I think, why you had the dueling ducks and, and stuff like that. True, yeah. Um, that's why you had you know, Porky at the end saying that's all folks, but then Tinkerbell kind of comes in. They can't do that. I, I, I do love this movie. It definitely holds up for me. And I, I do like when... Um, you've seen the film, obviously. Yeah, yeah. When he's in Toontown, Eddie Valiant, he's falling out of the window, and he's with, again, equal time, equal screen time of Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny. And Bugs Bunny's like, what you doing? Mickey goes, oh, yeah, you're going to get killed. Which is so funny that Disney let Mickey say you're going to get killed in the 80s to all those kids. As, even as a kid, I was like, wow, Mickey's dark. He's... Yeah, I wonder if they've fixed that somewhere, or you know. No, but uh, it's still but yeah. there. And, and at the time, obviously, you were too young, probably. But at the time, it was a big deal, special effects-wise, on how they did all this and incorporating. Uh, and this was all hand-drawn, I think, still at the time, animation that there wasn't um, a lot of things that they had to kind of manipulate around uh, the actors. But but yeah, so it still holds up. It's 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 worth a watch if you've never seen it. Absolutely. Uh, on Disney Plus, coming to America, Robert. Does this film still hold up? Talking about sequels ruining the original. Uh, <laughs> well, how would you they? Know, how would they do that? Uh, I, you know, I liked this at the time. Um, yeah, I thought it was. You know, it was pretty Eddie Murphy probably at his as one of his peaks yeah. or his last peak. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't revisited it, and I did watch a little bit of Coming to America, and. I think I made it 15 minutes in. I was like, I couldn't. And is it bad? I just, uh, yeah, I couldn't. It was like I was like, what is going on here? But Ugh. it was like literally, you could see them cashing their paychecks as <laughs> at the end of every scene. <laughs> Especially Arsenio Hall. Yeah, he needed work. I haven't watched the uh, sequel. The original still holds up for me. It's still, it's still a fun ride. It still has fun parts. Yeah, and I remember even with the first fifteen minutes, they were bringing in characters that vaguely seemed familiar. Like they were really funny in the original, and now they have like a ten-second cameo. And remember this person? I was like, I'm like, it's been decades. Who? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're insisting upon it. It's not. Yeah. It's not that good. It's kind of like when Adam Sandler hires all of his friends that need jobs. You know. And oh yeah. Yeah, we're doing a uh, Grown Ups 4. <laughs> you know, let's bring everybody back. That was great on Saturday Night Live, 1995 to circa 2003. Yeah. Grown Ups and 4 in the Bahamas because we need a vacation. 
<laughs> My grown ups four in the Bahamas. <laughs> Bring your kids. <laughs> grown ups five. Going to Hawaii. <laughs> Again. Uh, next on what's that? <laughs> next on the list. Good morning, Vietnam. Uh Robin Williams. Uh one of his best roles. Uh it still holds up for me. It's still classic. Classic Robin Williams. I'm okay with this one. Did he get? I think he got nominated. I don't know. Did he win? He did. No. He was nominated. I, he might have won. I can't remember. Uh, he did get a lot of accolades for it because it was like one of his more serious. Like he did like a range of of uh, emotion in that. Yeah, and I think he still did more ad libbing and stuff as well, which was kind of a good in between of his kind of comedy into to more dramatic. I think you're right. Which, after that, did he do Dead Poet Society after that? I think it was not too soon after that, yeah, which I am not a fan of. But anyway, we'll save that for another. I, I always thought that was overrated. When he died and people were quoting that, I was like, I was like, quote, there's so many more quotes from Robin Williams. <laughs> and I, 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 first of all, oh, he won the Golden Globe for uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Okay. And uh, he was nominated for Best Oscar, Best Oscar, Best Actor Academy Award. <laughs> Um, but yeah, when Rob Williams died, people were quoting like "My Captain, My Captain." I was like, "Stop pretending that you like this more than Mrs. Doubtfire because you don't." <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire is a thousand times better than anything Robin Williams has done before or since. So, yeah. quote Mrs. Doubtfire: "It is his best movie." Yeah, Who, who's picking? Prove me wrong when they're streaming. Yeah, or they 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 start about fifteen minutes and they're like, "Oh, this isn't what I remembered." Just bring me the funny stuff. Just bring me the funny. <laughs> Just bring me the funny stuff. Hardy Har. Uh, next is big. This is so wrong in retrospect. I just, it's one of those, and Kid. I saw a video not too long ago that was kind of talking about, and actually a lot of our kind of, you know, Freaky Friday, Vice versa, or whatever, sometimes they start to delve into areas like later you're like, what? And I think big is probably the, one of the worst ones because I think he actually, is he 12 or 13 into an adult body, has sex with a woman, and the woman later knows it, and yeah, it's just his mom is freaking out because he, she thinks he's been kidnapped, and he goes to visit her, and she thinks he's the kidnap. You know, it's just like horrific <laughs> things. Yeah, it's very dated. A lot of that material, but people love it still. You know, it it I should be it's... remade from just the other side of people. You know. Oh yeah, a big. Yeah. Big, a mother story. <laughs> it was just, just like, a retrospect. What happened? Yeah. Why? Why is he having sex with her? Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think it holds up, and I'm a little biased. I never really liked Big, and it was never like a great fun ride for me. Maybe. But I don't think it holds up for that reason alone. It's there's all kinds of weird sexual stuff going on with like yeah. the kid growing up. But we remember the piano scene. People are like, yeah, I think I liked it. Yeah, at the piano scene, that's all that matters. There was child rape in it. Well, the piano. Play piano. Next on the list is Crocodile Dundee 2. I am well equipped to answer this because I just watched this. It does not hold up. <laughs> it, it really doesn't. That's, I just watched the entire thing in its entirety. doesn't hold up. I will take your word for it. I don't think I even saw it. Basically, it just boils down to him. The first movie, they go from Australia to New York. This one, they go from New York to Australia. And it boils down to Colombian drug dealers following Paul Hogan in the, um, you know, the, 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 the outback. 
And apparently it takes like a few days. Like they they spend nights, they're sleeping. It's like, aren't you just there to like shoot him? And it turns into like this funny safari where he's sneaking into camp and instead of like killing them, you know, Paul Hogan and saving his life, he like smears like different animal things on him so the animals attack. And oh. It's just, yeah, it's all over the place. Doesn't hold up. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> this next on the film is uh, one of... Our favorite Christmas movies, Die Hard. Yes, I would say this still holds up for a number of reasons. That uh, it kind of became a good template for action movies uh, mm. after everything after, or at least for the next several years. And everything was Die Hard on a plane, or Die Hard on a boat, or Die Hard in a mountain, or whatever it happens. Die to Hard be. in a nursing home. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be next. <laughs> um. But yeah, so it still holds up for me. I think I've I watched it not that long ago, where I was kind of perusing channels, and I thought, yeah, this kind of still works. They, they, it was it was snappy enough; it keeps going the entire time. Yeah, the pacing is really good. And unlike the sequels, it doesn't get too outlandish where he's riding on top of a jet or anything like that. <laughs> no, and like unlike the sequels, this one he is a cop you know, saving the day kind of thing, where the sequels, it turned into more of a matter of national security where it would be out of his jurisdiction, but it mm-hmm. still, like, falls on him. It's like, like I hap- you happen to be here. So, you know, actually, that should be your question. When did John McClane become supernatural and why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when is he uh, overriding the jurisdiction of, like, the CIA? Uh, where, you know, if you hijack a bunch of... um school buses in new york and threaten to bomb it sort of falls into like homeland security or i guess that was pre-homeland security it's sort of like fbi stuff but he's kind of like well i'm here i'm smoking a cigarette and the reason they did of course was like we want him and it's like well yeah he's the star of the movie of course <laughs> so, so of course the terrorists are going to request him That's yeah what they do you know i remember after 9 11 uh he said he would not be making any more diehard movies oh really i think there's been like two more since that time but yeah yeah <laughs> Live free or die hard. Uh, die Han- hard to me is there. It's a better movie than Lethal Weapon, but it's yes. it's in the same vein where they just kept making them through you know the first big movie in the eighties, and they just kept making them well into the nineties, well beyond their expiration date for sure. This is a good movie though. I I just watched this not too long ago as well, and I uh, I still enjoy it. I watched it for the first time actually in December, and it, I enjoyed it. So to me, it holds up. Absolutely, thumbs up. Uh, next on our list is going to be Moonstruck, which is uh, bittersweet because we lost Olympia Dukakis. Yes, which she, uh, I think she won Oscar for this. And she was one of those uh, I guess, late bloomer actresses that she didn't really, I think she had done work on stage and so forth, but she really didn't become a big actress or kind of well-known until uh, later in life, but she certainly made her mark. And obviously in Moonstruck, uh, competing with uh, Cher and scene-chewing Nicolas Cage. His <laughs> finest role. <laughs> yeah, she was, I think, um, don't quote me on this, but she was like uh, a researcher. She did something with like science because her parents didn't want her to do like acting. So she got like a degree in some kind of teaching or something. And then, yeah, she became an actress later in life. Um, won the Oscar. It was best, I think it was best supporting. Supporting, yep. In this, Cher won best actress. Uh, 
But um, yeah, it was that's a great movie. It still holds up for me. I just watched Olympia Dukakis in The Infiltrator. I think it was like uh, the mm. movie with Brian Cranston, 2016, about like the Pablo Escobar accountant. But oh, she was good. One. Yeah, she was really good. She's a great actress. Was a great actress. So yes. rest in peace. And yeah, Moonstruck still holds up for me. Good, good. Cocktail. <laughs> the bar is open. The bar no. is open. I don't think it really says it that way, but that's, you know, uh, the, the other thing people have to remember, and at this time, uh, we, you just get a, your sh- short amount of time for trailers or whatever, and that's all you would see from the movie. You wouldn't have these months of lead up or whatever. And so sometimes yeah. you, if you go to movies a lot, you're like, if I have to see the cocktail trailer one more time. <laughs> I'm going to lose it. Yeah. Um, I have, I've only seen cocktail once. Uh, I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy it. It is not a good movie. Um, <laughs> well, I just you, remember it, Tom Cruise is yeah. like juggling like bottles and I'm like, I watched it cause I like Top Gun. Like, what is he doing? Where's Maverick? <laughs> it's a Maverick. You know, top Am I right bar. though? Is there a scene where he's like juggling like bottles behind the bar? Uh, that's kind of what they do. Apparently this is how bartenders, I don't know if they got bigger tips that way or what the deal was, but, um, and there were some, yeah, it, I can't remember the subplots or kind of the movie, and you're just like, oh, we just want to see him making drinks. I don't know. <laughs> but no. Cocktail. <laughs> was this, this is post Top Gun? Yes. Yeah. yeah so right. he was, this was a big year for him because I think Rain Man was this year, and uh, he was kind of becoming uh, the Tom Cruise, you know. Born on the 4th of July was shortly thereafter. Yep. Yep. The next one on the list is Beetlejuice. Me, of course, it, this holds up. This is one of my uh, one of my favorite favorite gems in the crown. Yeah, so this pretty much holds up for me. Um, I, I liked it. I really liked a couple years ago. Now I, the name's escaping me. In LA, they had the kind of a not museum that you could go to, but you could interact with. They had created different things, and so they had a whole Beetlejuice section where you could sit on the couch and it looks like half your body's over here and half your body's over here and stuff like that. Scary something. Ooh, that's cool. They did the Lost Boys and It and The Shining. Um, hopefully, post COVID, that'll come back. But where is this theater at? This isn't on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, it was down on off Wilshire somewhere. Is where it was. I'll, I'll Interesting. I'll send it. But yeah, but it was fun. It's a fun ride. It's a good movie. Uh, next on the list, Kevin Klein in and Jamie Lee Curtis are in A Fish Called Wanda. Uh, and I, I remember this for a number of reasons. Like one, I really like the, the director. I can't remember. He was like in his late 80s, maybe at the time. He had directed like the Lavender Hill Mob and all these early, early British comedies. And so this was kind of almost a throwback uh, to that. And I also remember Jamie Lee Curtis on talk shows because this was the year Halloween 4 was coming out. And they were like, well, what's your thoughts on that? And she, I remember she was just like, she was like, she goes, it's my daughter this time. I'm not in it. You know, I remember, so I remember her, her talking about it. But this... This still holds up for me for the performances and uh, editing and the direction. Um, I, th- this still holds up for me. Me too. I, this is a great film, and this has certainly held the test of time. And uh, this movie was a powerhouse too when it came out. It did extremely well. I was I was shocked that it was in the top ten. Obviously, it did very well, and maybe because it kind of it was an all ages type film. And it does have my favorite Mr. Fran- Man Frenchens and 
Hi. The best. Uh, where Kevin Klein's making it for audiences don't know he's making he's trying to make it uh, hit Harvey Manfred Jensen and then later uh, the wife is like well Mr. Manfred Jensen like <laughs> like that's normal I don't know yeah well Mr. Manfred Jensen <laughs> is that one of your quotable movies it is yeah uh, um, especially Jamie Lee Curtis she's great yeah, yeah I love everything she's in even uh, or especially um, True Lies. Yeah, she like plays down to it and then plays up. It's just she's great. She's obviously she's known for horror, but her best her best roles are comedy. Mm, yes, yeah, has great comic timing. Absolutely. Uh, the honorable mentions uh, on of nineteen eighty eight, starting off with Willow, which is Val Kilmer's finest role, Warwick Davis from Leprechaun fame, and. Um, Somebody else. Who else is in this? Maybe that's it. But this um, is uh, Ron Howard. Yeah, Val Kilmer's wife at the time uh, was in it as well, or soon-to-be wife. Um, she kind of played the princess. I remember what I liked best, and and was kind of the evil queen in this one. Uh, she was she was really good. But yeah, overall, this this does not hold up. But I put it as a mention because I think pe- some people have nice memories of it. I agree with you. I, I I don't think it holds up, and it's also one of those movies that I think is very polarizing. It splits down the middle. There's people that are like, "Yeah, Willow was never good." You know, other people, you're like, "Oh my gosh, it's the best movie," because they remember like certain scenes from childhood, and you're like, "Have you watched it?" Like, no. It's like, well, watch it. Give it a watch. <laughs> Tell us what you think. Tell us we're wrong. Yes. Uh, next on the list is Scrooge. Bill Murray in a classic. Charles Dickens' adaptation of Scrooge. Um, I think this movie is, has a lot of great one-liners. That are, it's such a quotable film, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of this movie. And, but uh, that being said, it does hold up for me. I have watched it recently and, over the holidays. And Karen Allen, I think, is she's, she's, not, she's underused in Hollywood. I like to see her more, Ex, unless it's Indiana Jones and the Crystal School. But. Karen Allen's underused in Hollywood? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like when she should... shows up and things, and she's showing up in a new film. I just saw a trailer; like she's just a little piece. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they should use Karen Allen more. Uh, Great Outdoors, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd. This is. I don't think uh, John Hughes directed this. He didn't, but he wrote it. I think. Yeah. It's. Uh, I enjoy the film. I watch it every summer. It still holds up for me. I have not seen it in a while, so I can't comment. But I know you're a big John Candy fan, so you would know better than than I. Well, I, I can say it objectively uh, that he's done a lot of movies that do not hold up at all. But this one holds up because it still has the right amount of like adult humor, but the kids can still watch it. It's it's mm-hmm. it's fun. It's like a fun ride that the 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 humor still holds up. Dan Aykroyd is uh, his brother-in-law. That's like sleazy, you know, and yeah. he tries to get money and. It's it's classic John Candy, um, but yeah, it's a good film. Uh, next on the list is Nightmare on Elm Street Four, The Dream Master, which is how I think we need to say that movie forever, Robert. If you're that's the proper way talking to okay, your sister I'll... or friend, and they go, "What's the fourth one?" You go, "Oh, that's Nightmare on Elm Street Four, The Dream Master." Um, so this did not hold up for me, and it didn't at the time. But I know, so I know a lot of people love this, and I think I my kind of peak, you know, Elm Street Three Dream Warriors. I remember I see this, I'm like, it already kind of felt like a little bit like of a, a cash in. 
uh, more of a cash grab there? Yeah, they kind of took away... Uh, one, they took away um, the original uh, actress who played Kirsten from Elm Street 3. And then, I don't know, it just came to seem... Uh, it really became a little bit too uh, slick. And so I kind of missed the kind of gritty grittiness. But as you know, I'm a okay. completist, so I do all the Elm Street films on set Jetter. I'm glad that you did. And we're looking at that right now. Setjetter.com on the set slash stream master. That's too complicated to type in if you're listening. So just go to set-jetter.com and look for it. You're smart people. But um, I've only seen this once recently. I've watched them in the last 10 months or longer. And um, it, uh, uh, I didn't like it as much as the one. Uh, which one was Dream Warriors? Part three. Yeah, I like that one a lot better, and I agree with what you said. Uh, the sort of tone of the film changed, where it was kind of more glossed up, and I don't know. I felt like they were took a lot of creative licenses, but this one is the scene. Uh, no, which is this? The film where the girl gets eaten on the beach? Yes. So yeah, Freddie putting on creepy sunglasses and that's the scene like literally that's the scene i can't stand of like freddy's out in the sunlight and he's putting on sunglasses and there's a shark fin the glove fin and it poofs it's fred it's like no the this is scary yeah why the glove fin like i don't it, it's supposed to be the shark fin obviously but yeah it's supposed why, to be why, why would they do that i don't know i just, just like so bad <laughs> And they're like, this, this is what we've become? I don't, I don't know. So, so well, it was filmed in Burbank, Robert. Yeah, so this, um, Alice's house, and actually at the time, I was the first to find this because it, uh, it was hard to find this house. And, and the actor, Andrus Jones, helped me kind of try to pinpoint it. But, um, and at the time, Google Maps, there was like this six-block area in Burbank that they didn't have to go with Street View. So I remember I was driving around these... <laughs> blocks thinking it might be there and then i found it oh wow this is be this is pre like google street view well it, google street view did, hadn't hit everything for some reason so there was the particular blocks and i think i knew 1450 was the house number or 1510 and uh so i thought it was probably in that area and you just couldn't tell and so i just remember driving to it to um and i was by myself so i had to put my camera on to put my car with a timer so and oh then, is that what you did yeah at that interesting that time, so well the set found it Rydell high Rydell high the springwood high as portrayed in the movie is played by venice high school which was also Rydell high in nightmare Elm street four dream masters i love the hair i just i love it <laughs> uh yeah I, I assume that's a wig i don't uh, granted we did wear our hair like that in the 80s but I jones does have nice hair i i was jealous i had a hair envy of uh it's kind thick of and lustrous hair. yeah uh so nightmare on elm street four does not tell us about this shot real quick this is in culver city Culver city yeah so i think i might have been the first to find this a while ago too and i think andrus jones helped me too kind of kind of gave me an idea and for some reason i could kind of tell by looking at it this that park seemed familiar to me and so um so yeah that's in culver city and I actually had lunch there a couple of years ago it's a at little grave in Grave in. They shot the interiors uh, in a studio, but you can actually have lunch or breakfast there. Oh, that's cool. It's yeah. not called the Crave Inn, though, is it? It is not, but no. it looks mostly the same. I mean, it's the same building exterior. It's in the same, yeah. But you did a good job getting those shots. Thank you. 
Next on our list, uh, 1988's uh, honorable mentions, uh, is Naked Gun, Leslie Nielsen's finest role ever. You know, and this probably, I'm a giggling, probably, and that's probably an indicator that this still holds up for me. And I remember not too far into the bit pandemic last year, you know, where things are just feeling really dour, I would watch Naked Gun films to <laughs> just laugh. Oh, yeah. It will still hold up for me, too. It's a very quotable movie. It's a fun, fun movie. And it's just so ridiculous. It's great. It's just it's so much slapstick, and it's it's a good film. Next on the list is Big Business. This is Bette Midler, right? Bette Midler, Lily Tomlin, yes. Seth Green. <laughs> Seth Green's been running around Hollywood since he was like five. He's in yes. so many movies, <laughs> you know, stretching like thirty years. I feel like they should remake this. Or, or actually do an, an update, you know? Lily and Bet, they would do it, I bet. Yeah. Netflix. This, bigger this is business. a fun movie. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they could do that. So, um, doesn't quite hold up, but there's lines that, that hold up for me. But I'm with you. Uh, it's, yeah, I probably wouldn't go out and seek to watch it again, but uh, I would for sure want to. See an update. I'm trying to think. Was Beaches? Did Be- Beaches is on this list later. Beaches came um, out this year too, right? I don't remember. I'll look it up. Um, I have Beaches on the list, so I hope I'm right. Otherwise, we're going to get fined by the. It uh, did come out in '88, and I did go to the Beaches house. I haven't posted about it yet, but ooh, yeah, great movie. Next on the list is Rain Man. I thought this was would have been in the top ten. Oh, this yeah. might have been a December release. It could have been. Maybe it'll show up next year. But, um, but yeah, at the time it was. Um, I think it got some. It got some Oscar nods at least, and uh, it seemed like a. Everybody really loved it at the time. I was kind of okay with it. It felt a little too forced for me, but. But yeah, yeah. and I watched it not that long ago, and of course I was looking for where these locations were, but. Yeah, I I just watched it for the first time like two weeks ago. I've never seen it. Um, it, it was kind of slow a little bit. It, I don't think it held up because it was very, very um, 80-centric. And not, not that that wouldn't make a film hold up, but just him with, like, the big cell phone and, and like, I don't know. It just it didn't age well. And But I, but I, do, I do think Dustin Hoffman did a great job. It, it did not come off to me like he was – they never made fun of the idea of autism or, you know, I, he, he definitely deserved the Oscar for that. Us, definitely. Um, Heather's is next on the list. This is Winona Ryder, correct? Winona Ryder, Christian Slater. This does hold up for me. Probably yeah. more in nostalgia view. And they can never... Well, I shouldn't say that. Say they can never make this again. Because, but they actually did make a Heather series, short-lived, uh, a few years ago. And so you, you would think just post... Uh, school shootings and stuff like that they would never be able to do that but i actually kind of enjoyed this series so but yeah oh. heathers is one of my one of my favorites it's one of ours too in this house we uh, we watch heathers maybe like once a year or if it's on and it's it's just a fun movie it's a it's a true um you're you're right in what you're talking about that i haven't seen the sequel but it would be you wonder how they would like remake this today they did a decent job and i think they should have actually given the series more time to kind of grow but um but they yeah they shot it at a few different schools um 
one in Santa Monica, one, I think one off of Laurel Canyon Boulevard, and there's one somewhere else. And then the church, of course, is in Pasadena, and that church has been used in quite a few things. And but it's got Otto from Beetlejuice. I do remember, so I saw this in the theater. And at the time, we didn't quite know what we were getting into. And so if you you probably knew what Heather's was as you were kind of before you watched it. And at the time, we had no idea, is this a comedy or whatever? And so it was when they first pulled out that gun, and we're like, the audience was startled. They're like, what are we watching? Yeah. Yeah. So it was was very memorable that way. That's a, yeah, if you had no idea what you were really getting into going in, that's, that's, that's shocking. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. So, and I love the soundtrack. (laughs) Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's a great movie. It definitely still holds up. Seth Jetter and, Myself, we agree this is one that holds up. We recommend it if you haven't seen it. Next on the list of honorable mentions is Broadcast News, 1988's Broadcast News. I don't think I know this one. You don't know this one? So this was kind of, I think, the kind of director's follow-up to Terms of Endearment, and we have Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks and uh, uh, William, I can't remember now. But uh, so, and I was going into broad. My major was going to be broadcasting, so I remember watching this film and also kind of being terrified. I was like, oh. "Is this what broadcast work is like?" <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but yeah, Holly Hunter. I mean, she was really good. I think she was nominated. I think a couple. There was a couple nominations. Oh, William Hurt's in it. William Hurt, yeah, and uh, a small, very small part by Jack Nicholson's not non non credited as the lead anchor from in dc or wherever he happens to be at so and i think this this role was written for deborah winger at the time but she backed out oh okay so that would make sense holly came in and um so for, I, I every once in a while i'll be flipping i'll watch it because there are certain scenes that i i love um so for the most part it holds up um but it's also kind of a, of its time especially considering how, bro- how much broadcasting has changed it has yeah it's interesting to watch shows with like broadcasting 80s, 90s, some of it's the same, and a lot of it's like, what are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> it looks so foreign. Uh, next on the list is uh, Chucky in his debut uh, film performance in uh, Child's Play, um, which uh, when this movie came out, I was a kid. I obviously didn't see this in the theater, but they had the, um, they were doing a lot of like advertising at the, the Barn Plaza, which was a movie theater in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And uh, I remember it really scared me because the poster was a kid like falling out of a window uh, from like a high rise or something. And it like, I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so scary. Like, what is this? And I didn't watch it till years later. Um, but yeah, it's, I never, I never liked child's play the films, no. but um, out of all of them, I've seen all of them. This one probably holds it up the best. Yeah. I like this one. I, I love Catherine Hicks as the mother, um, Dinah Manoff, Marty Maraschino from Greece who a- uh, accidentally falls out the window. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do think it would be interesting to. Uh, I know that one of the original scripts, or one of the original, was like it was more of a mystery: is the doll really alive or not? It wasn't so blatant as it became, um, but there was kind of like maybe it is uh, mm, yeah. uh, the little kid, uh, which I kind of liked. But but yeah, so all shot in Chicago. Um, I remember when I was looking for these locations many years ago. They actually. Uh, say the streets that they're on on the police <laughs> scanner so sometimes you actually just have to listen to a movie rather than looking for clues like, there's a oh really the, oh yeah the the Wabash the and whatever yeah so 
in her the department store is now a target surprise, surprise. <laughs> in the film was it a like one name department store like it was yeah depart- i can't remember if they actually named it but that was the department store that she was supposed to work at but that's funny uh, but yeah so of course i frank went to him there if you're there and the school i think so i didn't find the school somebody else found that but you got some great shots in this one thanks uh next on the list of do they still hold up is betrayed and i'm guessing you never heard of this one i have not what is this this fine film it is a double winger uh film maybe this is why she probably did this and not broadcast news and tom berenger um so yeah it's interesting she's a fbi who goes undercover um to uh kind of infiltrate uh kind of these rural areas uh to find I guess domestic terrorists and Klansmen and it's kind of it's kind of scary because she's putting herself at risk and of course she gets involved with this guy and there's kids involved and stuff like that so um, so this this I still watch this when I'm flipping through and uh, I'll, I'll give it a, so this one still holds up for me and obviously we're not beyond any of the issues uh, <laughs> that we were back then sadly no uh, gorillas in the mist um, I have not seen this movie since I was younger, but I'd be very curious if it's if it holds up. I love Sigourney Weaver. I'm, I obviously love the story of Diane Fossey and animals, uh, the plight of you know animal uh, endangered species and you know protecting them. So I'd be curious about if this holds up, Robert. What is your um, what's your I've take? I've not seen it in a while, but I agree. Uh, still love this one. So I think this was the year that Sigourney was nominated for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. I think she won. She was nominated for Best Actress for Gorillas in the Mist. So um, I haven't watched them all, but there's still lines that I quote, um, especially for like, if I'm leaving, getting ready to go out the door or whatever, and we're in a hurry or something, I'm like, me, Itis, let's go. <laughs> me, Itis, let's go. That's, <laughs> I'm going to have to watch that soon. I have looked for that recently. I haven't seen it anywhere. Uh, Cinema Paradiso, Robert. Um, this is, to me, this is a great movie. It still holds up. It's like a film class kind of movie that's mm-hmm. actually like pretty watchable. So I'm a big <laughs> fan. You know those film class movies where they're like, we're going to watch Lonesome Dove all six hours. It's like, uh, why? I think that should be like the pull line on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> all six hours. Why? No, like, no, it's like a film class, but watchable. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, it is. You know, like instead of you know these whatever awesome whatever it says watchable, watchable. <laughs> well, I saw this movie like as a kid, you know, on like HBO or something in, in a summer, and I didn't really understand it. It was okay. It was an, it's a foreign movie. It's an Italian. And then in film class, they actually watched this, and I was like, oh, this is actually like a beautifully shot, like well written, amazing movie. It's one of those that you have to remember that you have to give these films a chance that you might not have otherwise or as teenagers that you're like, eh. hey yeah. guys, who wants to check out the new uh, Cinema Paradiso tonight? <laughs> right, yeah. No, it, it, it would be a tough sell for a lot of people. If yeah. you're a teenager, like you fire this up, you're, you'll see a lot of people on their phones or like, can we do something else or I have to go because you do have to kind of give it the respect it deserves. But yeah, yeah. pretty good. Uh, next on the film, the two Corys, License to Drive. I think this is their second film together, um, but their first where they kind of took the leads. And so I saw this in the theater as well. I think I saw almost all these in the theater uh, because I was at that age. I remember I had a calendar 
and I'd write in every movie that was coming out that Friday and oh, that's cool. Movies all the time. Um, you saw you saw this in the theater. Oh yes, the oh yeah. So um, yeah, Heather Graham had her probably one of her earliest age. She doesn't age much. No, <laughs> um, she played Mercedes. Um, but yeah, so th- there's certain aspects of this film that still hold up and certain that do not. There's still things that I just laugh at when he's trying to take his driver's license. And uh, we still think about, I still think about the scene where, uh, you know, his sister is also going for her license. And she has like this, they show her and she's like, why don't you just try this hill? And it's like a barely a slope. And he's like, why don't you parallel park here? And there's like 60 feet in between cars. And then his, I remember you know, that. Yeah, he his, his is like you know trying to make it up one of those Echo Park hills, you know. Right. <laughs> um, and Try then it. you know a ten foot, you know, bunch of parallel park here, and um, but yeah, so it's still it's still a fun film. There's probably pieces that don't uh, quite work <laughs> in the in the 21st century, but yeah, it is a fun film. I I will watch it again for sure. Uh, I know where this location is too. I, my buddy used to live like two blocks from here. We used to pass this a lot. The El Rey. Oh yes, many films. Uh, Night of the Comet. I think that was the theater. Yeah, Night of the Comet. Yeah, yeah. What year did that come out? Um, I think it was the seventies. Yeah, no, it was eighties. It was an eighties film. It didn't make any of these lists. Um, so I guess it didn't do well. Of you have to remember, some of these films really didn't hit until video. And so they don't they don't even show up on the top 100 because they made all their money later uh, in video. They became more of a cult classic. Yeah. Night of the Comet, the special effects are absolutely to die for. And desolate the LA. clothes on the ground. <laughs> There's just somebody just threw a pile of clothes and they're like, oh, they melted. The, the radiation got them. It, it didn't get the clothes. Everything's no. kind of orange and stuff like that. And... The orange. Yeah, when they're on the playground and you see like the orange tint, <laughs> you're like, "This is great." I, it is a fun movie. Where was everybody else? Um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven: The New Blood. Great film for the music matching up to what's happening in the scene <laughs> on screen. Perfect example, film students. Watch Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven: The New Blood to see, you know, ESP like Christine or Tina. Uh, <laughs> matching up the music with Tina. With, <laughs> I just love the 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 angle of you go in the woods with your psychiatrist, your mom, and but you're go, you're still allowed to go to some parties. Yeah, everything's happening. Fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I saw this in the theater, and first I have to give a shout out to my friend Brian at Real to Real Locations because I think I always in my mind is I always put this as a 1987 film, and it came out in '88, so he always has to correct me. So I didn't really go to locations, but they share a location for the Jarvis house uh, that they used for the reshoot scenes. Um, oh, so yeah. inside uh, the scene they reshot uh, is Trish's bedroom uh, that they use in Friday Thirteenth, the final chapter. So a little continuity there, but. Uh, but yeah, so I remember in the theater, I just like remember I had the opening credits. The the soundtrack wasn't right, you know. Harry Manfredini was long gone, or from doing any original things, and they used the the, the person that created the Friday Thirteenth the TV series soundtrack. So they had just all these kind of blank drums and stuff going on. <laughs> they tried to set up like they do this flashback, trying to be like the final chapter. And they actually got Walt Gorney back, who who played Crazy Ralph in Part One and Two, but they don't really identify him. But Crazy he does Ralph the voice, is in he, Part Seven. He does the voiceover. 
really um, for for the opening but um but yeah so yeah one and then i you just knew it went too far you know with telekinetic tina and uh yeah <laughs> the too much kids across the way and they keep uh, the, the yeah like you said the mishmash of soundtracks they would just keep needle dropping uh there's a lot of car trouble going on <laughs> none of these cars are working properly See, that's where we need that Crystal Lake TV series where you could, you know, the, like the local mechanic is in on it, you know. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> they, yeah. They just mess up everybody's Oh, I, this car. is one of my favorite shots here. <laughs> look at those, look at those hamstrings. <laughs> and they, they, they just, they show it so long you can't even, I just remember it eliciting laughter. You know, the hair didn't match. It looked like a man coming out the window. It's, uh, it's a man with yeah. a terrible wig. <laughs> Trying to hide his face, it's just <laughs> and then so she bad. just collapses and dies. Apparently, and I was like, "Well, that, does that really kill them? I don't know." But uh. yeah, and also, who, which editor saw this and was like, "We got it. This is the one." And this was a reshoot too. Yeah, so whatever. <laughs> this is better than what they had. <laughs> and here's you with uh, John uh, yeah, Carl Buschler and Elizabeth Kate. She's the one supposedly going out the window. Uh, and then William Butler, one of the he's actors. too cool for school. He is no no comment on him. Yeah, if you you can meet him though, if you want, he's working the register <laughs> at Target in Woodland Hills, California. He he no he was he told a joke. I was buying some soap did the he? other day, and he was he was like, hey, do you remember me? And I was funny. like, did I give you my credit card? He goes, do you want to open up a Target one? I said no. He goes, damn, I needed that boost to survive, and that was William Butler. <laughs> and that was the end. It does not hold out, but I will still watch it till the day I die. Like I will with all well, the yeah. Friday the 13th. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like you said, and I'm a completist, you know, I'll, I'll watch them you all. Will. Yeah, but it does not hold up if we're going to be yeah. honest. Next on the list is The Seventh Sign. Robert, what is this magnificent film? This is a Demi Moore film and Michael Biehn, um, which oh, I really Michael liked Bien. at the time. Yeah, so it was kind of a post- Prince of Darkness, where uh, and there was a little twist. Now the twist is probably pretty apparent, um, but but I like that a lot. That it was kind of the end of the world was coming, um, and it's kind of one of those: are, is it really or is it not? Um, but Ooh. but yeah. So she she lives down in Venice, California. Um, that's the house where. Um, it's funny that she she actually in in this one she's they actually show her uh, semi nude as pregnant. And then years later, she actually posed in real life nude, pregnant for uh, that magazine cover. I can't remember which one, but. Oh, but yeah. yeah. Look at that purple 80s sweater. <laughs> I mean, pink. Pink, sorry. Oh, it's perfect. That is Michael Bann. Yes. You met him. He's great. Aliens, yeah. Terminator. Yeah. Yep. The Rock. I should, I should have talked to him about. Uh, the seventh sign, but I didn't. I, I would like to watch this movie. I do like Prince of Darkness, it's a scary movie. Yeah, watch that and see what you think. That's your Yeah, homework. be cool to check that out. Next on the list is Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Whew, I cannot tell you how excited I was for this one. I didn't think I would ever get to see a Halloween in a movie, a theater. And uh, um, But yeah, I remember I was in college. I think I came back that weekend to go see it. And just hearing the soundtrack boom out on the on the out of the speakers and stuff, the Halloween theme, I was really excited. So, and it, for the most part, it holds up people. Uh, uh, it, 
it didn't age as well as it should have, but at the time, it was kind of a return to form for Michael Myers. Certainly was. Three, they kind of skipped out, on, or they did skip out on him altogether with Season of the Witch. This was a cool return to form. I think this holds up. I really enjoy the sequences. I don't know what's going on with my internet. The it's sequences a, with the yeah. police and the, you know, the the posses that spring up in town with, like, the hicks that they're going to go get them. And <laughs> it's a cool, like, cat and mouse game. This yeah. holds up. And on the set-jetter.com, you did a little synopsis at the top. And I when I read this, I read it like Richard Dreyfus in uh, <laughs> Stand By Me. So just for the listeners... This is what Robert wrote, and this is how I read it in my head. This movie was truly a dream come true, as I thought another Halloween sequel was out of the question, especially after the Myers List last entry. Though nothing can hold up to the original, the creators of Halloween 4 crafted a great film that captured a lot of the spirit and new fun to the series. Plus, Dr. Loomis is back. Fans couldn't ask for more. And once that theme song kicked in five minutes into the film, I about peed my pants. <laughs> Does anybody? Uh, I'm not going to have you read anything else I read. <laughs> like, ooh, <laughs> I don't remember what I wrote. Obviously, I'm repeating myself. But, oh, I like so it. it. So it, this page takes a while to load because I, I am a completist, and you will find every angle that you can for, for the film and that I could get to. So, But if we're in Utah, um, yeah, definitely check out all the Halloween locations. And Meyer Cinema is doing a couple screenings for Halloween 4, 5, and 6 um, this I think this summer or this fall, so at different oh, local cool. locations. So, what is this place right here, Robert? This is the scene. Um, is this like what is this building like? These are like poop? opening. These are opening credit scenes. So they just kind of the original opening credits were going to be showing how Doctor Loomis and Michael survived. They're going to show Doctor Loomis being thrown into a, an operating room, but instead they kind of have this slow burn opening um, with kind of uh, just kind of gentle soundtrack going on uh, and just farm across you know and they do a pretty good job making it look like this is probably what illinois looks like um sometimes you see some mountains in the background which don't exist in illinois but but yeah if you look at that it looks like illinois it does yeah um, these are great shots and great job matching up the locations with the scene so but uh, oh yeah you know what halloween four uh, i think we've mentioned this before the coolest part in this movie is when the ambulance drives away and they kick the music in when wires is leaving Gives me goosebumps every time. Harry, Absolute, yeah. goosebumps. I was just like, I can't believe it. Their Halloween theme, just everything, everything you always kind of wanted in your. This is kind of a fan film, um, especially kind of rebooting Michael Myers, kind of ignoring some things that happened along the way. But, but yeah, it is worth it. I, I yeah, I love this movie. I think I've seen this the most times aside from the first one. Believe it or not, even though the second one is like my favorite. Ironically, this one is just like like you said. It's it's a perfect fan movie where they give you all the cues that you want to see. They give you everything you want, and then we get some flashbacks to the stand. This was I was just gonna say. This is the uh, the disease center in Vermont. Mm -hmm. Yep, where he kind of comes down at the end, and the ambulance drives up. So yeah, I think there's a couple. Of, yeah, there's a couple of shared locations for the stand. Vincent Drugstore. Um, and we're talking about the Stan miniseries, the original 90s miniseries, not the... Yes, of course. We, we've forgotten about the, the new one. That doesn't exist. I don't know what you're talking about. You sound like you're... you're that's crazy talk, Robert. That's crazy, crazy talk. How could they talk. possibly remake it? But, but yeah, so if you're in Utah, definitely visit all these locations. That's great. 
the location at 400 Capitol Park Avenue. What is this, Robert? Like, what is this building in real it life? It is now condominiums. So if you go down a little bit, you probably kind of see what they look like now. Um, uh, it's, so the area where the ambulance came out, that's long gone, but this is kind of the area that it was. But yeah, so it's condos and they actually built a little bit on top of this building as well. Interesting, because I was always kind of curious what that building was. Not not so much in Halloween, but in the stand. Because when, you know, Gary Sinise's character walks out, he's kind of like in the middle of a neighborhood. Where you, you think like, oh, it's kind of an interesting spot for like a disease, mm-hmm. you know, center. He's in this like nice, like low-lit street. But that makes sense. Yeah, it was hospital at the time, originally. But uh, but yeah, so I think it was vacant during Oh, filming. okay. And so... Um, Developers do what they do, and now it's like everything. Condos. Thanks, big development. <laughs> Next on the list is She's Having a Baby, John Hughes. Uh, uh, so I think we talked about this before, but yeah, this this still holds up for me. For um, Even though I, when I've, I was 18, I didn't have a baby, nor do I have one now, but uh, the film works for me. Kevin Bacon, John Hughes, Elizabeth McGovern. Love it. I'm a fan too. It holds up. Um, I didn't realize till recently how big of a Kevin Bacon fan I am. But does he just uh, keep showing up in everything you like, and you didn't realize it? Exactly, just that. And he's from Philadelphia, like me. And he like, you know, I just like Kevin Bacon. Everything he does, I've liked. Um, um what about the Hollow Man? <laughs> I've never seen the Hollow Man. Well, no, I have might... seen Hollow Man. Oh. <laughs> no, that movie was really bad. <laughs> that might change your mind. Huh? Yeah, I saw that. I think I actually had people over to watch that once. It was not a good movie. Did you lose some friends? Yeah, I had like I have my friends Josh and Mike, and I was like, "Hey, I got the Hollow Man," or Hollow Man, whatever it's, it's called. Just Hollow it Man. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I had the uh, the to make it more important than it and was. and I think because it was so bad, I was like, "Well, we're gonna we can watch the Frighteners." I got the Frighteners <laughs> too. It was like a ba- it was a it was a bad night for me. I, was and I saw that one in the theater, too. The Frighteners? No, uh, well, I saw Frighteners, but Hollow Man I saw in the theater, too. Oh, it's bad. At the time, I had a friend that managed the theater, so uh, if I was awake enough, they would have to show, this is when it was on film, they would have to show the movies the night before just to make sure there was no breaks or anything. So if I went like at 2 in the morning, I could go see these movies for free. So That's amazing. Some were not worth it. <laughs> because you had a friend that was connected? Well, yeah, and so sometimes just like you're like, yeah, I'll go see Hollow Man, and you're like, ah, this is. We we had a friend that um, worked at the theater, so he would like kind of sneak us in. It wasn't as easy at the time because it was like very corporate, so there was still like security, but we could get in. But what he would give us was like trash bags of popcorn that they would throw out each night, and I was like, what are we gonna do with like? It's literally a trash bag. So we would have to be like, oh, Kevin, thanks, man. And then we'd end up just like throwing it out because it's yeah. like, what am I going to do with this bag of popcorn? popcorn? But we didn't want to like ruin that connection and be like, yeah. no thanks. Because he was so happy to like hook us up. Yeah. So there were like hundreds of popcorn bags thrown out a year from these movie theaters because they couldn't use it. So I guess maybe like a homeless shelter you can't give because it's like open <laughs> food. So we just had yeah. like endless access to popcorn. popcorn. I was like, oh, I wish I like loved this stuff so much. But <laughs> um, next on the list is going to be, ooh Jodie Foster and Jodie Foster, right? Yeah, Jodie Foster, Kelly Jody Foster, McGillis, Ke- Kelly McGillis in yeah. The Accused, still writing Top Gun. Um, but, right. but yeah, so uh, this is one uh, I watch if it's still got, if it's on i'll kind of flip through and i'll stop and watch so shot in vancouver so i would like to watch anything that's shot in vancouver um but yeah so um it probably does not hold up i'll just leave it at that 
No? Yeah, it's yeah. a tough movie to watch. Yeah. Um, they Live is next on the list. They Live is an adaptation of the 8 o'clock people and also takes cues from the 10 o'clock people, which is a Stephen King short story, which I am reading now, actually. I just got that, that book. It's a collection. Uh, this is a good film for me. It still holds up. And there is the mask of... Let me take a shot of that. Keep that up. Do you mind putting on the mask, sir? I feel like we're in a bad 80s movie. Can you put on the mask? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Do I have something on my chin? (laughs) It's just so great. If you haven't seen They Live, it holds up. It's a fun, fun ride. Robert, what do you think? It still holds up. I think this is one of those, obviously, it didn't crack the top 10 or 30 or probably, but but it certainly found a following much later. Um, And uh, I think... A lot of people, this is, if it's not Halloween, they live as one of their favorite John Carpenter films. So definitely holds up. Definitely holds up. Yeah, it's, it, it's true. It had one of those cult followings. Um, and it's still kind of a cool message of like, don't be censored and controlled. Uh, Mississippi Burning is next. A great film. Uh, it still holds up for me. And I haven't watched it in a while, but I remember I remember Gene Hackman, Frances McDormand. I feel like that's probably one of her first films. I don't know. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, she's the cop's like wife. But, so it's a it's a pre a time to kill movie where yes. like there's like the clan, you know. Um, the, obviously, in the, it takes place in the South, so. Unfortunately, as we mentioned with another film, a lot of that has not changed, but it's a, um, it's a good film. Uh, next on the list uh, is Short Circuit. What is this? Is this the robot that reads fast? Number five is alive. There's two of these movies. At, at least two. I you know guess. what? I only saw this part of it once like as a kid and at somebody's house, and I left the, I left the kid's house because I didn't like this movie. I'm not making this up. I think I was like 10. Even then yeah. you knew. And I was like, I can't, I was like, his name is Seth. I remember the the, the the room it looked like, and I was like, I, I think I have to go for lunch. And it was not lunchtime. It was like mid-afternoon. I was like, I think I have to go. I did not like this movie as a kid. But I'm not, I, 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 I'm not a, a liberal to say if it holds up or not. I guess, yeah. And I, it did not hold, it didn't even hold up for me at the time. So, but apparently, it's, it's like other things. People have some nostalgia for it, and even if they don't quite remember it, how bad it was. Yeah. <laughs> Ali, Ali Sheedy, I think, was in this. and Yeah. Yeah. Watch Batteries Not Included instead. <laughs> <laughs> Where 49-year-old old Wilford Brimley, I don't know if he was in that one, but it seemed like he would be. But I'm sure. <laughs> that, that, that developer's not shutting down this apartment building. <laughs> oh. That was that was a big '80s thing that we had to do at the time too, is make sure that. Uh, Sorry, I had to let a kitty out. No problem. I say that was gonna be screaming or no. That, I said that was a big thing at the time too in '80s, where you know, like corporate was gonna take over the building. You know, if if you weren't needing a new <laughs> cookie recipe, that was your problem. Corporate's gonna get you. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna but skip we... over the next one, Rambo Three. It obviously does not hold up. <laughs> nothing unless no you more, want to add Nothing more needs to be said. Well, Rambo 3 was where he went to Afghanistan and sided and helped with 
the Mujahideen, I think, which is now what like Al Qaeda or the Taliban is. So he's really helping like terrorists in this movie. If you look at it historically, that's what he's doing. Thanks, uh, Rambo. Thanks, Rambo. Beaches. Oh, this movie definitely holds up. It's a it's a tear jerking gem. Bette Midler's finest role, and it's Deborah Winger. No, Barbara Hershey. Barbara Hershey. Classic Robert. Classic. So I will split with you on this because I <laughs> didn't I didn't did. like it. Nope. What okay. did you like about it? It because was like it, too on the nose, smalty, you know, like it was cheesy. like a melodrama just for melodrama's sake. I wasn't having it. Did you tear up a little bit? Did I, it crack you a little bit? Because my eyes were just kind of insane. <laughs> of course they teared up. They were glazed over from yeah. how boring it was. <laughs> but I still I visited the house. I'm glad that you did. I, I like that you're a completist. Yeah. And you'll take the good with the bad. Yes. Eyes down. somewhere. Next on the list is The Blob. This is Kevin Dillon. Is, is it Brian Flagg is his yeah. name? Yeah. Which is kind of like With Randall Flagg. A little. The same Randall Flagg mullet going. <laughs> he does. And he's a, you know what? He's got the genes. He is not playing by society's rules. Shawnee Smith, pre-saw. There's a lot of pre-stand references going on. There is, now that you're thinking about it. But, uh, yeah, so this still mostly holds up for me. Um, I did. Do, I went down to, the, uh, to do the locations in Louisiana, and at the time, it was actually for the new Blu-ray that was coming out a couple of years ago. But uh, So I put the whole video together and everything, and Sony ended up rejecting it. But I got a lot of, a lot of uh, good shots and footage. You were sick during that time, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't realize. Yeah, I was. I was. I was doing California for a few days, and then Colorado for a couple of days, and then, uh, then Louisiana. And I started feeling really awful. Um, my last day in in Colorado, and then uh, I found out later I had strep. So I was running around trying to shoot videos with strep, and obviously doing a lot of sweating in Louisiana. As for people that have been there now, <laughs> it, it gets. It was ridiculous Especially was, over the fourth of july yeah and i was like i'm doing this for the fans for a video that they will never see <laughs> i'm doing this for the fans. i appreciate your work in this i i do like this movie a lot it still holds up for me and it's 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 a fun movie the yeah. um scenes with um special effects are still scary they still hold up for me they're still gruesome you know well yeah a lot of practical effects and you know um and they kind of uh, I'm not sure how apparent it is. Now we know Kevin is supposed to be the lead, but uh, Shawnee Smith's boyfriend, you kind of assume might be the, the you know, the trio of you know survivors, and he he gets offed pretty quickly. Yes. Uh, so um, so there are some surprises, and they end up killing a kid. You know, like a prepubescent. Yeah. Why did they Why did they throw that curveball? I think just to throw you off, because then it kind of shows anybody is game. You know, this nope. Nobody's just going to naturally survive this. So I, I kind of liked how they kind of were just kind of no holds barred. So, but I like yeah, this so shot right here. This yeah. is a good shot. <laughs> the football field is still there. I think about the same football stands, if I remember. Um, I do. It, it, was, it's, it was nice that it's right next to a cemetery. It actually is the, the school. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Interesting so, placement. Yeah. Yeah, cause, and for the movie, and I, they probably just took advantage of it because in the movie, you know, it's showing all these eerie things, and they have the cemetery, and they kind of slowly, you hear the sound kind of creep up, and um, you have it's a football game. So the diner was a complete worked. facade. They built that for the film. 
That's so cool. Uh, totally fake. And so I was fooled because I just assumed it looked like a real building. I thought it was there, but. As nope. did I. Movie uh, magic. <laughs> movie magic. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> I do like the ending where the like preacher has that, like the little blob in a glass. Yes. Yes. Meaning it's not really gone. It's going to come back. And this shares a location with Halloween, the original Halloween, because they did so to shoot some scenes in Los Angeles. So really? the hospital, the hospital scene, I think I have it on my website, uh, where she leaves the hospital. I think part of the interiors are Smith's Grove from the original Halloween, and they use almost the exact same shots uh, when they're leaving the hospital. Oh wow! Is that a nod or a coincidence? I think coincidence. So I think it was just an empty hospital. But yeah, you can see it's everything is virtually the same. Way. This was the guy in the stuff. pharmacy, right? Yeah. The condoms. Yep. Classic. <laughs> it's a great scene. That is a great scene. This is a good movie. It still holds up. The Blob. Yeah. Next on the list uh, is Working Girl. This is a great film. Uh, so many Sigourney lines, Robert. I, if I quote any scoring a movie besides aliens would be working girl and actually i just rewatched this last night because olympia dukakis has one scene in this film so that was my olympia tribute uh film that i decided to watch but uh but yeah i many sigourney wines weaver lines that i won't repeat for you now but but they are good and and it is a good movie oh yeah it it does i watch this more often than i should (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no such thing yeah. Next on the list is Bad Dreams. This is uh, Jennifer Rubin. Have yes, you, you have one? some good shots here. Yeah, have you seen this one? Uh, once, or I think. Once? Okay, this yeah. one still holds up for me. This one, there was enough. I didn't quite know what they're going with it at the time, um, but I remember uh, in the theater. I think I went to a sneak peek because I, I still have like some buttons and stuff. Like, will you survive bad dreams and? Um, but yeah, yeah, so and it was obviously a year after uh, Dream Warriors, and so they were really kind of spinning. Obviously, the title alone uh, <laughs> feels like it's going to be kind of a Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff. And there's portions of it that that are, but I, I, this is one of my favorite films that I still can watch over and over again. Still holds up. Bad Dreams. Check it out. Got some good shots here. Also, Terminator, used in Terminator Two. Yep. The. Uh, Pescadero, what was it? I can't remember what. Wherever Linda Hamilton was supposed to be. Uh, and the right mental next, facility. Yeah, and so actually further up on that block is the hospital from Halloween 3 that is now demolished. Oh. Nice, nice famous block. Good and, famous block right there. And hospitals played in three different places. So, of course, uh, you saw the one, the actual downtown L.A. where people keep dropping off the roof. <laughs> always always <laughs> dropping off that roof yep. and then the church part the hot uh parking lot for the hospital is a church uh off of wilshire boulevard so oh that's cool yeah i tried to, to go back church. and get better shots at one time and it turned into a car rental parking lot it was like i couldn't even drive in it was ridiculous i wouldn't get oh really shot. that's so annoying yeah it's like come on i'm just here for movie shots yeah do you want to get behind an 81 centra <laughs> no okay <laughs> All right. Um, and finally, Can't Look Away, 88. Robert, you have Poltergeist. Can't Look <laughs> Away are movies that are bad, clearly, but we will still watch them. Listeners, Robert, you picked? 
I, I have a tie. I really couldn't decide. So first one was Poltergeist 3. Ooh. So um, I'm still semi-Poltergeist fan, and, and I was kind of excited to see, you know, Poltergeist in the big city, and they had some good teasers. Obviously, Heather Rourke had passed away by that time, so it was kind of weird uh, to, that she passed away before the film was released. So it was kind of strange on liking it too much. And But the director had a good... Yeah. I would say good intentions that maybe good strange intentions that for this one, they were going to use zero um, optical effects. Everything was going to be on set practical. Well, Poltergeist is <laughs> known for their special effects. And so some, there was a lot of mirror trickery and some things work and some things, things don't, but yeah. Um, and True. then I don't know if I sent you, but th there's videos out there because Carol Ann's name is uttered, like hundreds oh, of I've times. seen it from you. Yeah, and so it's just one of those, Carol Ann, Carol Ann, Carol where's Carol Ann? And, and like... after you sent that clip, I looked at like the IMDb, and they said that when the movie came out, a lot of reviews, including like you know Roger Ebert, was like, why do they have to say her name so much? <laughs> like that was that was like a huge thing at the time. They were like, they just repeat this girl's name like three hundred times. Ah. Uh. It was just, so it's a little torturous, so maybe that is actually not quite a tie, but second. But first, and I don't know if you're familiar with this one, Mac and Me. Oh, yes. Very familiar with this, Jeff. <laughs> and <laughs> they're also, the, the aliens, Mac and Me, if you're not familiar, is like an E.T. ripoff that's so bad that Universal and Amblin and everyone were like, we're not even going to sue you because this is so bad. <laughs> like, it's clearly a ripoff that they're like, don't even acknowledge it, just keep walking. Sponsored by McDonald's. Sponsored, and, yeah, it's a huge right. McDonald's yeah. commercial. <laughs> and you know, the aliens and Mac and me are like super scary. Like in the beginning, when they show like the other aliens on the planet, yeah. they're, they're like creepy. Like no kid is going to look at this and be like, "Wow." No, it it they are creepy, and um, I don't think anybody besides me has took it upon themselves to go seek out and visit these locations. <laughs> No, but you're a completist, and I'm glad that you did this. Yeah. So, and but Paul Rudd loves this movie. You know, he, he uh, a lot of people love yeah. how bad this movie is. So, if you're looking it for something fun. else, uh, check out Paul Rudd introducing clips. And he, no matter what film he's showing, he always shows a clip from Back and Me. No matter what, it's the yeah, it's the kid in the wheelchair like yeah. flying down a, a hill. Uh... It is a funny movie. Uh, I, I do like I like the setting of Polar Guys Three because they filmed at the john hancock center yeah which is it's still the tallest building in chicago but it was like one of the tallest buildings in the world and it's like a, i thought that was a cool setting to do yeah no and i've been there a couple of times more just could get for the poltergeist shots and um but yeah so it's definitely a chicago film if they fit in that era they shot a lot of films in chicago um i think they had good tax incentives or something that is true from 1985 to like 92, there are tons of movies in Chicago. It's crazy. It had to be had to be like the Chicago Film Office or something. Yeah. Like did something. And they and they still are. I mean, uh, I think Cinescape has set up uh, studios there, and so they're still shooting a, a certain amount. But it's probably still cheaper than LA. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. My can't look away from 88 is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Clown spelled with K. It's now I can't just, believe you just said it like that because I always say it like the, the the police officer says in the movie, "Killer clowns from outer space." 
That's the phone. only way to say the title. I love the police officer. What do you? You want to get? You want to, so a wise guy, huh? It's like, what? Why are you? Why are you in charge of safety? It's bad. It's a. It's a funny. It's a fun ride. They filmed this in Santa Cruz. Yeah, a lot of Santa Cruz um, near the end of the Santa Cruz boardwalk, and then some towns around there. I went to a few of the locations when I was uh, uh, up in that area several years ago. Now, do you ever watch the film? Oh yeah. It's a fun movie, right? Yeah, I didn't see it in the theater. I don't know if it actually came out in the theater. It probably did, but um, oh, good point. But um, but yeah, yeah. So obviously, it had a gr- the great soundtrack. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> this soundtrack was. I sometimes go to horror trivia night, and and they had. They sometimes they have a whole section of just horror movie soundtracks. And you have to guess what the film is based on. I'm like, Ooh. this is easy, you know, for people that love their film. yeah yeah. That's a but fun. It's, it it it's it's a good ride. I know they have been trying to work on a sequel, and um, which I think really go over like Gangbusters. There's enough like one. There's enough fans that would kind of like to revisit it, and I think a whole new audiences would kind of get that j- the joke, you know. Yeah, yeah, and this is one of those cool like, not so much a crossover movie, but there's people that don't particularly like horror movies that like this movie because. They've saw it like once in college, and then now they're like, "Oh, I remember that movie so much fun!" You know, like there's so many people I've talked to that love this movie that I would never expect to even have known this movie existed. And uh, it's just yeah, it's cool. The gimmicks are fun. Um, you know, the gags are cool. So that's my can't look away. 1988 Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah, I don't know if I call that a bad one though, but maybe. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, I ma- I imagine. More people. <laughs> Your would, mom is not going to pick up killer clowns. No, mom. Yeah, no, mom's not going to pick up killer clowns. But <laughs> it is fun. Um, so I think that's going to be our show, Robert. Unless you had anything else you wanted to add. No, I'm I'm ready to put 1988 to rest. 1988 is going Betty bye. So thank you for listening um, to the podcast. We'll set Jetter Saturdays with Robert Patterson. Uh, check out all the shows for free on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Robert, thank you for being on the show, per usual. Always. And I, maybe I'll see you in person. This yes, week. Robert Next. will be yeah. coming out here for the um, third annual Los Angeles Groundhog Day. We're going to be covering the Groundhog. Punks of Tony Matthew will be It doesn't make sense. I look forward to seeing you very soon. So. Yes. Uh, thank you for listening, and good, good night, everybody, and Godspeed. Good night. There's a place called Kokomo That's where you wanna go To get away from it all Bodies in the sand Tropical drink melting in your hand We'll be falling in love To the rhythm of the steel drum band Down in Kokomo Go, baby.